Hello again, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast Retro Life for You. My name is Chris Adams, host of the show, along with Mr. Travis Rollins this week. And we are going to do a very, very fun thing we like to do, being a top 10 list. Uh, We usually have a lot of fun with this. And this is Mr. Travis Rollins' idea. So, you know, all the credit go to him. I am pain. I've been waiting to do this one. I've been wanting to do this one for a long, long time, man. We're doing horror movies a day. Right. We don't. We haven't talked a lot of horror movies at all on the podcast since going. I mean, I was looking back at this, and the only horror movies I can recall doing is when you were out for a while when you when you got your new position at work. Uh huh. And uh, Tim and I did Elm Street's one and three, and we called it a you know basically Nancy's story from beginning to end is what it was. Okay. And that's the only one I can remember doing. I don't think we've done any Friday the 13th, no Halloweens. Uh, mm, I mean, am, I, that's why the writing's been dropping. <laughs> <laughs> am I wrong, though? I mean, have we done these? No. I don't remember doing them. We, we've got, <laughs> no, no, no. we haven't. Because, we've got I mean, somewhere this, between yeah. 60 and 70 episodes under our belt total. Yep. And I, I just can't remember all of them for sure, but I don't recall ever doing anything like this. So this is going to be fun absolutely i've been dying for this yeah so what we're gonna do fanatic like i love 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 horror movies. i love all movies i love comedies and the dramas and all that too but horror is like that's a how do, i don't know what you say guilty pleasure maybe i don't know but i, I wouldn't call it. horror a guilty pleasure i wouldn't do that um yeah, no it's like it's my just favorite genre to watch i think yeah on average yeah, it's just a genre that you like. It's not a guilty pleasure by now. Guilty pleasure would be a corny or stupid horror movie that no one liked, but you did. Oh, it would be like if you got some popcorn together and put some butter on it and some drinks and sat down for a nice, a nice evening with some rhinestone. <laughs> <laughs> I will never watch rhinestone. <laughs> No, okay. So, what was that one? So, my guilty pleasure, my guilty pleasure is Grease. We needed to, that's what oh, I, 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 I love Grease. Pleasure episode. We we did do something like that, did we? We did. Oh yeah. And Grease, you might have brought Grease up because we were talking about guilty pleasures. I think no, you know what? I don't think we did do a guilty pleasure episode. I think what it was is we were doing, um what movie would you take for this genre with you on the island episode that we did oh, yeah, earth, yeah, yeah. early that's early right. early early on and i think that's we right. threw a couple out there and said you know this is one of my guilty pleasure movies because i was like you know girls just want to have fun that was that's one the one guilt- i was about to bring up for you yeah yeah that's one of my guilty pleasure movies because it's got sarah jessica parker and helen hunt and then of course you know, breaking breaking's a guilty pleasure movie because yeah. it's 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 cheesy it's corny but i don't know why but i love it you know yeah but anyway, uh, what we're going to do today is we're going with the decade of the 80s, our favorite horror movie, 10 favorite horror movies of the 80s. This is not saying it's our 10, that it's the 10 best from 10 to 1 or anything. It's 10 of our favorites. Yes. Just like we that's- used to, like we always do. So full disclosure, disclosure on that, it's what we like and what we think is our personal favorites. Mm-hmm. And this is going to be part one of a two-part series. Uh, next week's podcast, we'll go ahead and tell you now. Is going to be the 90s horror movies, our top 10 favorites from that. We want to keep it rolling one to the other so we can kind of uh, have some fun with this tonight. So, heck yeah. Now, before we get started, if you're a first time listener to the show, make sure you, uh, you know, give us a rating and a review 
on iTunes or Spotify, wherever you do listen to us at. Follow the show. You can catch us on Instagram at RetroLife, the number four, Y-O-U, as well as Facebook. And if you want to email us with anything, ideas or constructive criticisms, or you just want to say Travis sucks or something, that's okay. I mean, he'll cry a little bit and I'll laugh. Maybe, you know, or Maybe. vice versa. Chris sucks, and I'll just say you're mean, and I'll cut and then, you off and block and you and everything. Cry and I'll laugh. I will cry, and he'll laugh. Yeah, but I mean, you know, retro at retro life for you. The number <laughs> four. See, I'm, I'm laughing now. And I can't say it at retro life. The number four. Y o u at gmail dot com is the email. Uh, we also have a website. You can listen to us directly off the website uh, through your browser if you choose to which is www.retrolife, the number four, the letter U.com. That being said, Travis, are you ready to jump right into it? Man, I'm ready, man. You want to go first? Oh, <clears throat> this is your that. baby. I think you should go first, you know? Oh, thank you. Wouldn't, wouldn't, okay. So what I had to do was I had to, I, I told Chris, now I'm not going to do these in the order of the year, but, um, I had to break it down and pick my favorite one of the year from 1980 through 1989, just because the doggone, I was lost without having some kind of criteria because there's so yeah. much like that I love. There were so, so many good ones though. So many great ones. Right. Right. And, and, and we so, should also put it out there too, that we're not doing this where if we overlap each other, that the other person <laughs> has to pick a backup because these are our personal 10 favorites. Yeah, those so, don't matter on this one. Right, so if I like, say, uh, it, it, if I put Gremlins down that I loved Gremlins and he did the same thing, it's going to be okay. It's fine. I mean, we'll, we'll we'll talk about it. We'll say, hey, yeah, I have that one too, or yeah. something like that. And we'll talk. We'll talk a little further about it or something. We'll double up right. on the talk. But so I'm, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with my number one from this decade, and this is absolutely my number one. And I tried to go ahead and preface this too with I tried my best to stay away from Friday the Thirteenth. And Nightmare on Elm Street, just because those two kind of go without saying, they're, they're, they're like the greatest movies to come out of the 80s, you know. Uh, but Freddy would appreciate absolute that. favorite horror movie franchise, I'm going to put it that way, even beyond those two, is Hellraiser, 1987, when 1987. this movie came out. Uh, what's in the box? Yeah, what's in the box with Pinhead and everything? <laughs> oh, I didn't show you. I just got a. I just got a. Uh, I just got me a box in the Le- Leviathan configuration. Did you really? Yeah, yeah. It's in my. It's in my display case in there in in the living room. Oh, uh, you have to show me when we're done, and that's cool. Yeah, I loved it. Got it off of Timu, <laughs> and it's actually pretty doggone good. Everybody wow. is big on this Timu thing. All of a sudden, it's like the new Amazon or something, but like cheaper Dude, stuff. It's like it's like and not everything's cheap com, either. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, it's like Wish.com, but better. You know what I mean? Like you don't have to wait six months. But this was a, what tripped me out about this movie. Though, uh, it was budgeted at, at at one million loonies. But it made four million four hundred and fifty-three dollars on its opening weekend in the U.S. and Canada. It made how much? Four million. Oh, four million. Okay. But the loonie is the exchange rate. The loonie is actually higher than the dollar than the U.S. dollar. So I don't know if it was back then, but it hadn't. It's always been, hadn't it? And then it made me wonder if this was a Canadian-made movie because I don't know that much about it. I know it's Clive Barker. This is from the mind of the master. Definitely Clive Barker. 
yes. the mind of the master. So if you haven't seen, so if anybody hasn't seen Hellraiser, and it is blowing my mind more and more and more how many people have not seen movies from the 80s and 90s, just, I mean, absolute great movies too, much less a horror movie like Hellraiser. Uh, Hellraiser is, is full-on disturbing. I love it. Go watch it. Uh, it. It is, that's where the I am pain come from. And what it is, is, is basically the Cenobites and Hellraiser, uh, he, Pinhead is like a demon, uh, and they're sent to bring hell on earth for the person who, misfortunate soul who opens this box. But the first movie's crazy good. So what is your first one? Oh, and just to reiterate, this is absolutely my favorite horror franchise ever of, out of any of them. So that's why I led with that one. Okay. Well, see, I'm gonna I'm I'm leading in the same way then because that's what I was thinking when you were telling me about that. Right on. And when we're done with this, I'd like to throw in a couple honorable mentions. Yeah. If you don't, and I'm sure you got a couple yourself since it was hard to you know handpick ten. Oh sure. Um, my first one I'm going with is the original Nightmare on Elm Street, 1984. Ooh, the first. Because one. Elm Street is my favorite franchise for the horror movies. Because I, I mean, even though Elm Street 2 had nothing to do with like Nancy from the previous one before, it was a separate story. Um, Mm -hmm. It still kind of kept in line with the whole Elm Street series in in, in a sense. Right. Uh, But the first Elm Street, the original that started it all was such a a fun, great movie for me. And, And the concept of it was what was great. And we've right. talked about this before. The whole concept came from nightmares that Wes Craven was having. Yes. So, I mean, the the thought process, the, the thought behind it of somebody trying to kill you in your dreams and you're powerless to get away from it and there's nothing you can do is like one of the ultimate scary things that could happen to you, it seems like. Yeah, no doubt. Without a doubt. Uh, Freddie, I would think um, coming up, you know, aside from aside from uh, Tony Todd and Candyman, mm-hmm. <laughs> Freddie was the one, man. Freddie was, Freddie scared everybody. Robert England plays such a great, scary person in that makeup. No doubt. And I, you know, I, what was so scary about him too, is at that time too, it seemed like most of the other people like Michael Myers mm-hmm. at that time, he didn't kill kids. Uh, no. Uh, Jason would bypass young kids teenagers and if you're a teenager having sex you're done but yeah. <laughs> preteen minding your business or being scared he's gonna walk by too so i mean like really really freddie was and freddie went after kids like he so i mean he was like the first one well that was his thing he was we wasn't safe before from, they you know before they killed him that's what he was he was uh like right. a pedophile basically yeah and the and the parents you know they, they cornered him in the place where in he had the boiler room where he would take the kid to and they set it on fire and burned it up and killed him and now he's come back in the dreams of all the elm street kids to terrorize them and you know to make sure all the parents who had something to do with his 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 killing that he takes their kids from them basically is what it comes down to in, in the long run uh right. the movie is that now this movie was budgeted for 1.8 million dollars and it grossed worldwide twenty five million six hundred eighty five thousand one hundred thirty four dollars. So crazy. I'd say it more than made its money back, right? And well, I mean that's what happens when you throw Johnny Depp and Heather Langenkamp in a movie. <laughs> I was Johnny. about to bring that up. I was like to say, you know, this is like I don't know if it's the first Johnny Depp movie or not. 
I'm but Johnny sure. Depp was in this, a young Johnny Depp was in this movie. Mm-hmm. So Johnny Depp, Heather Langenkamp, Robert England, John Saxon, Amanda Wiss. I mean, you had a lot of good names in here. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, like if you don't know who if you don't know who Freddie is, like you probably ain't even got the means to listen to this podcast. No way. <laughs> uh, but if you don't know who Freddy Krueger is, the Robert England Freddy Krueger, we highly suggest you go back and look up Nightmare on Elm Street, nineteen eighty four, not the remake that they did. Right, right, right. Although, not the remake. Although I go against the norm, I think Jackie uh, Haley did a great job. I didn't say he did a bad job, yeah. but it is not the original not even close no so what's your number two my number two is going to be my favorite uh my favorite uh horror movie monster okay that's gonna be 1998's pumpkin head pumpkin head pumpkin head uh, dude honestly i never got into that oh man i loved it so that's why you can't see it on the screen but i put my name as ed harley <laughs> which, <laughs> which is the old man that Lan Henrikson, Henry Henrikson, yes, plays. Uh, what happened? Um, <clears throat> surprisingly, lots of people haven't seen this movie. So um, he lives out in the country, and these kids go out there for. Uh, I think they're riding dirt bikes or something, and um, ends up one of them accidentally kills Billy, which is his son. Well, he takes the body to this old old witchy woman and she lays the body up in the up in this altar out in the middle of the woods and um summons the demon of revenge which is Pumpkinhead. and Pumpkinhead is especially for this time i think one of even still one of the best examples of of creature effects uh non non-computer generated like the you know old school creature effects I think Pumpkinhead's one of the best uh, examples of that to this day. And what what made Pumpkinhead so scary is is not only is he a demon walking the earth, he's smart. So like, if one person goes to hunt, jump on the bike, the dirt bike to take off, and like it shows Pumpkinhead in the back with like the light shining behind him and the shadow, and like he holds up the chain. So it's like. Yeah, Pumpkinhead is sick. If you haven't seen Pumpkinhead, you got to go see Pumpkinhead. I'm just wondering what the doggone, um, I don't remember. Uh, yeah, it, it was a flop. It was a hard flop. So the the estimated budget was $3.5 million. Open a weekend, it made a little over half a million. And uh, Worldwide Gross ended up being $4 million and 385000 So it was a box office flop, but... In the horror in the horror movie world and horror movie fans, FX fans and stuff like that, Pumpkinhead is a Pumpkinhead is a staple, a classic, and one of the all time greats. Wouldn't you say it's um kind of like when it comes to the horror genre, like you said, one of the all time greats is more like it's kind of like one of those cult classic kind of deals, like Killer Clowns from Outer Space or something like that. Um maybe maybe i wouldn't want to put it in the same category as that yeah i would say yeah maybe because because like i said i mean you you got to be most of the people that have seen this have either seen it when they were young because somebody else was watching it or just because they're just horror fans that's why i say fx and horror fanatics know this movie but that's about that's about it all right well i'm going to uh stick with where i was a moment ago Mm-hmm. And just go ahead and get it out of the way. 
uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 3, The Dream Warriors. That would have been, if I was going to pick one, that would be the one I'd pick. Yeah, I know there's there's one real good reason to pick it for sure. Um, great, great music it had with it. You know, I it mean, did. for it one did. thing, Dawkins did the song Dream Warriors. Mm-hmm. And anytime somebody talks about Dream Warriors, the first thing they think of, they hear in their head is Don Dawkins yelling, you know, Dream Warriors in the chorus of the song. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's great. Uh, what was the girl's name? Um, it's not not Tuesday Weld or whatever, or Tuesday Night or whatever her name is. She played in part four. Uh, the girl who played Kristen, uh, Patricia Arquette. Patricia Arquette. So you had Heather Langenkamp back in this one again, uh, playing mm-hmm. uh, her role as Nancy again. She's a, a dream counselor, and Patricia Arquette's the one having the most troubles. And she's taken to this hospital where she's introduced to the other kids there. And like you said, they all have their dream powers mm-hmm. that they have developed, and they're trying to fight him together along with Nancy. And this is where we see the end of Nancy. Unfortunately, this is her last, yeah. last, last to go with 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 Kruger. Kruger like is one out with her. Ruben is tearing with her with her mohawk. When when she's in her dreams, yeah. So she's like she says in her dreams, her powers are she's beautiful and yeah. she's bad and she's bad. <laughs> yeah, that was a good one. But yeah, that's uh, it. it I used to I used to go back and forth on what my favorite was Elm Street one or Elm Street three, and right. I'd, I'd I always kind of fall back on the original, but three was very fun though. So I mean, and three was like three was yeah from from the eighties for sure. Three is gonna have to be my favorite. Three was fun and it had better music to it. So well, there you go. It There's always that. So uh, jumping to your number three, Even what you got for three? Three. Oh, number three, number three. I'm gonna have to go with the shining. Shining years, Johnny. Year I was born, 1980s. The shining, yes, with here's Johnny, uh, olive oil from the from the Popeye movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, Miss, man, Carruthers. The Miss Shelley uh, Duvall. Yeah, Shelley Duvall. Yeah. Now this movie was just, I mean. Man, it doesn't it, it doesn't get too much better than The Shining. I mean, this my man losing his mind. You got ghosts and, and uh, isolation and just Lord have mercy, the psychosis, <laughs> I guess you call it. Yeah. And then uh, spawning the well, decades later, spawning the sequel Doctor Sleep, which actually you know, uh, uh, my man wrote it. Afterwards, Stephen King, it, the book was a sequel to The Shining anyway, but that was a year before, but it took him forever to make, make the sequel. But no, yeah, The Shining was was just, man, nothing but creepy. The little boy, red rum, red rum, you know, <laughs> a little murder. And that gone at the time, too. I don't know, everybody, that, that Here's Johnny became huge. And then the, the woman, what was it, the woman in the bathtub? In the in room, I forgot what room she was in. It's been so it's been so long since I've seen that. I can't. Certain room she was in where she went after Danny. But yeah, I thought the you know what for 1982, like the end of it when the um when the lions turned the stone lions turned on him and like jumped down and came after him. That was like crazy. So that's another one that just I mean it's Jack Nicholson. We talked about that before. Like 
Yeah. So you throw Jack Nicholson or something, man. It's it's gonna be good anyway. I can't remember who it is now. My friend Marty listens to this show and he's gonna be like, I can't believe you forgot who. I want to say it was his sister. She used to get really freaked out if we'd be like red rum, red rum. <laughs> right. I think it was room two thirty seven where the old woman was in the bathtub. I don't remember. That's one Danny went in. But now this movie, I mean, it made you create. It, it it made you to wear too. Like if when you were in big, huge places that maybe not necessarily abandoned, but wouldn't have many people in it, or you'd find yourself in some big old place. You know what I mean? Like a hospital yeah. night or something like that. Yeah, it made it kind of creepy. And and timeless too. Like people still love this movie. Oh, people still talk about it to this day. It, yeah. it, it it's one of those movies where it's got the quote. Uh, that, that keeps it if, if 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 anything the one quote will always keep it alive yeah that's for sure johnny bit that everybody likes to mimic and everything so yeah and and also one of one of i guess what's considered to be one of the greatest uh directors of all time would be stanley kubrick yeah uh, big big time big time movie what was your number three my number three i'm on to welcome you to fright night good pick good pick Loved that movie when I was younger. Christopher Sarandon, William Ragsdale, Roddy McDowell, and a young Amanda Bierce. Is it Bierce or Burse? I think it's Bierce. B-E-A-R-S-E. That is Marcy Beers. from Married with Children. Yeah, that's Bierce. Yep, yep. Beers. That's okay, Beers. Amanda, Amanda Bierce. A very, uh, it's a young version of her. One of her first things she had done, I believe. Maybe not the first, but in early stuff she had done. So, um, Fright Night was a was a fun movie. It's a uh, Chris Sarandon is a vampire. It had a quote in it. I the main thing I remember is the welcome to Fright Night bit that Roddy McDowell would do at the beginning of his show. Ours was Brewster, you're so cool. Yeah. <laughs> Evil Ed. <laughs> Brewster, you're so cool. Yeah. Yeah, that was uh, a good one. I thought that one had great uh at the end of it, when he went like crazy vampire, that was another one with some great effects in it. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, you know what? I really like the remake of it too. Uh, they had Colin Farrell in it. You know, I don't think I've seen the remake. I know they did it, but I don't remember really if good. I don't remember if I watched it or not. Yeah. It was, it was really, really good. I'm going to have to go back and watch it now just because you brought it up. Yeah, sure enough, man. And it falls one year away from us too. It's 2011. <laughs> How about that? But no, yeah, you should, yeah, you should check it out. I thought they did really good as far as the remakes go, because it's not a, it's not like a sequel or something. It's a full on, legitimate. Well, there was a sequel. The there was a Fright Night Two sequel. There's two Fright Night Twos. They yeah. tried to, they tried to cash in on the remake success as well. Oh, okay. Yeah, so now that I didn't got, know, I did not know that part though. I knew yeah, they did the other one. Eighty-five was the original Fright Night, and then eighty-eight was Fright Night Two. And then you jump to 2011 was the remake with Colin Farrell. And then 2013, which I have not seen the 2013 one, but you got a 2013 one as well. This a Friday well, night too. This one didn't do too bad. I'm not going to say it was, you know, a, a giant moneymaker, but $9 million budget and grossed, we'll just say 25 million. We'll round it up a couple hundred. Well, round it up about 80,000. It made yeah. say, say 25 million worldwide. So didn't do too awful bad. And it was a fun movie. Like I said, Chris Sarandon's a vampire. And then, you know, vampire movies were always a big thing. Nobody believes um, William Ragsdale's character, Charlie Brewster. Nobody believes him that they think the guy's a vampire. But 
he right. fully believes him and his friend that's at the house are with him are vampires. And uh, he finally enlists the help of Roddy McDowell. He plays the role of Peter Vincent. I was yeah. having to remember the name of the guy for a second. Plays the role of Peter Vincent. And he has a show called Fright Night where he battles vampires all the time. So naturally, Charlie thinks this is the guy to help him. So he enlists his help to go kill him. And he's going to humor him, I guess, at this point, not realizing it really is a real vampire. Right. That he's going to go take on and everything. So if you have not seen Fright Night and you love vampire movies, go ahead and give it a look. That's something I think you'll enjoy. Either version, uh, you know, Colin Farrell's version or this one. You know what I mean? Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Both of them are great. What's your number four? Well, since you went with vampires, I'm going to I'm gonna hop on over to the other side and go with the werewolves and go with the howling. And I'm going to do the howling as a friend as a as the entire franchise. Uh, so the first howling came out in '81, and I don't remember how they fell, what years or anything like that. But uh, the howling, it was awesome, and it was back then it was scary as I'll get out too. You know, you'd be out in the <laughs> you'd be outside in the middle of the night and hear a dog or something after watching that movie. About what what? <laughs> I love Werewolf in London. But I feel like The Howling just kind of beats it out a little bit as a scary movie. Maybe not, not maybe not in um, its significance. Uh, Werewolf in London probably probably did better than it, and is better known than The Howling. But for me, growing up and as a as a horror fanatic, Dagum, The Howling was that to me is uh, was the definitive werewolf movie until. You had the remake, uh, basically a remake of Werewolf in London, which was a uh, Werewolf in Paris, and then right uh, wasn't long after that, the werewolves came in. The, the Lycans uh, came in with uh, 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 shoot uh, Underworld. So now not, was they're cooler than these werewolves. <laughs> was American Werewolf in Paris? Was that actually a remake, or was that just a continuation, but a different chapter? I think it was like else? it was like a remake slash homage to an American werewolf in London. I feel like it was, I think it was like an homage type thing. It's like okay. the same story, but you know what I mean? Uh, this movie did great actually too. Uh, I think it was a, a $1 million budget and it hit nearly 18 million uh, gross worldwide. Yes. Uh, yeah. We had a uh, 17,985,893 gross worldwide on a, on a estimated million dollar budget. And there wasn't, I mean, the names in it, except for maybe John Carradine. Uh, I don't think it's not really a lot of big names. D. Wallace, you know what I mean. So it's not a not a whole big big budgeted uh, star packed flick. But it's kind of like a, if you if you never seen Ginger Snaps, Ginger Snaps is one of the better low budget werewolf movies too so yeah I can't say, i cannot say i've seen that one what's that i can't say that i've seen that one uh howling or ginger snaps or both ginger snaps i've seen howling oh, okay so what well how how did you feel about the howling uh definitely a scary to me at the time definitely a scary werewolf movie i mean it was i didn't i didn't really find american werewolf in london to be really scary right uh the howling was more of a scary type you know, for me, when it comes to that. Um, and I, I can't say I watched many werewolf movies. There was one movie that I thought was going to be based on a werewolf called The Watcher or mm-hmm. Watchers, one of the two. 
but it's not really as much a werewolf as it was just some kind of beast of some sort they had hunted. I think it had that's a movie that had Corey Haim in it. Yes, I believe that movie was based on a Dean Koontz novel. I believe so. The Watchers. Yeah, and then they had a couple of them. It had I a super smart dog in it. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. That, then I, I know for sure it's based on the Watchers. And yeah, it, what it, what that one was that was actually great. Uh, so the dog and the dog and the beast were uh, government experiments. The dog was created to be as smart as he was to track down the beast. And then the beast got loose and all this, but yeah, that's a great one. Y'all got to go check that one out too. <laughs> so the howling is my number four. What's your number four? Or is that five? That's four. No, that's four. And I got my fourth one coming up. Yeah, then we're going to do our fifth. Then we're going to do our fifth ones real quick here. But my fourth one I'm going to throw out there is the fog from 1980. The John fog. Carpenter, a John Carpenter flick. I got, I got a couple of John Carpenters on here for us tonight before it's over with, but this hey, is man. the first one. John Carpenter is awesome. Yeah, uh, an unearthly fog rolls into a small coastal town exactly 100 years after a ship mysteriously sank in its waters. Um, mm. And there's a remake of this one too, an updated version that yes. you can watch. You can watch if you want, but the original—I mean, nothing beats the original, really. Um, you got Adrian Barbeau in it. You got Jamie Lee Curtis, uh, Hal Holbrook's in it. Tom Atkins is in it. Janet Lee. Um, this was really a fun movie. As, as, as a kid for a horror movie. Because, you know, when you watch a horror movie, you want to get scared, right? Right. And these, these things were, I mean, the, the people in the fog coming out were just creepy as it can be, man. It just shivers <laughs> up and down your spine. Right. As, as a kid. I mean, now watching it as an adult, it's not nearly as bad, you know. But as a oh, kid, yeah. it was like, it was like, oh, oh it, just, it, 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 it may not have been 100% give you nightmares scary, but it's enough to send that chill up and down your spine and get you with that scared feeling at the very least. No doubt. That would so, be a good one. We could do a comparison on since the remake was in 90, uh, uh, 2005. Yeah. So yeah. 25 years later, since we covered that, that span. Yeah. And, that might be and, and that's another show for another day, isn't it? Taking the originals yeah. with the remakes or something. That, that might be, some, and comparing that might be them. fun right there. So this movie itself came out, like I said, of uh, February 1980, budgeted of $1 million estimated. And this is just like what I mentioned earlier about how much money was made. Um, I think it was when I went with Elm Street. Mm-hmm. Budgeted $1 million estimated, grossed worldwide $21,448,830. And the Perfect. fog, if I'm not mistaken, I need I, I should probably look this up before I say it, but I'm... I'm going to throw it out there and see if you remember this. Was this not based off of a Stephen King short story yeah. called The Mist? Oh, uh, wait a minute. No, I uh, don't think so. I think it was. It is, a, it is a Stephen King kind of thing, though, wasn't it? Yeah, because. A series Mist, of short stories. The Mist is the one with the creatures in it where uh, they're. Their kid, people go out into the mist and get killed or whatever. Okay, I may be thinking something different then, but I was thinking it had something to do with the Stephen King book. And that it is, I'm pretty sure. I am about to find out for certain and see what it says about it. Because I want to know. Right, yeah, I'm I'm pretty pretty positive that it is based on uh no, I don't see where it is. I thought the fog would be 
a uh, John Carpenter co-wrote the screenplay actually. So yeah, if it's John Carpenter, so John Carpenter and Clive Barker and uh, uh, my other guy, I got another horror guy. So I'm confusing the fog and the mist is what I'm doing because the mist is a short story in um, a book that King put out with uh, like, he's also got a story called trucks and that's what they based maximum overdrive off of. Correct. So I get those two mixed up. It says here, the fog is a horror novel by English writer, James Herbert published in 1975 about a deadly fog that drives its victims insane when they come into contact with it. Herbert's second book is completely unrelated to the film, The Fog by John Carpenter. Yes. So, yeah, because usually John Carpenter and Clive Barker will be very involved heavily with their screenplays and ideas and stuff for the movies. But, but, but look, Travis, here's something else for you. What's that? While looking and see, this is something I wish I had done earlier now. What is the fog based off? It's inspired by a true story. It says the inspiration for the film came thanks to a foggy day in England. Carpenter asked Hill what she thought was in there. And the idea began. The story also drew from a true story from the 1800s where townspeople deliberately wrecked some incoming ships in order to plunder the gold. Oh, well, that's not scary. That's just greedy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, but, uh, Number five, then. Yes. Number five. All right. So, keeping in the spirit, since we were talking about uh, uh, Stephen King, we're going to stay with Stephen King, and I just did The Shining and everything. Uh, But I think I got to go with Cujo for my number five, man. Cujo. Cujo. I remember Cujo had everybody freaked out. I think Cujo, why everybody got scared of of, uh, stranger dogs, like dogs that you don't know. Yeah. I'm sure that's something to do with it. Yeah, and uh, this one has a remake too, if I remember correctly. Um, I don't remember that for sure. Yeah, I do remember, I, remember I definitely remember like the original. Like a, seems like they did like a made for TV for it or something, but isn't this That's possible? Yeah, so I opened it. This was budgeted at five million, which seems like a pretty big budget to me for, for that. But I mean, I, you know, with the dog and everything. Uh, but at five million, open a weekend was six million, but it grossed 21.1. So that's pretty doggone good. I'd say so. <clears throat> yeah. So it, a cool did you know is uh, dogs featured in the film would often have their tails tied down to their legs <laughs> because they would be enjoying themselves so much that they wagged their tails during filming. <laughs> and it was missed once and edited where they show Cujo from behind ready to attack and his tails wagging energetically. So it looks like he's almost happy to get ready to kill somebody. <laughs> Dude, that's that's hilarious. Isn't that funny? But yeah, this one was oh man, this one was crazy, dude. The dog that they had in there was humongous. Big old Saint Bernard. Huge, huge Saint Bernard. Like he's big even among Saint Bernards. <laughs> dog was right. Huge. They should man, that dog busted through daggum windows of cars, daggum breaking doors down and don't think that a dog that size could not do that too. Like everything that dog did just about, (laughs) I'm sure dog could totally do. But yeah, this one had everybody freaked out. And and this, I think it's one of the staples too, you know, especially among the Stephen Kings, you know, where you had like pet cemetery, Carrie, uh, uh, children of the corn Cujo, you know what I mean? Just that whole run there where they were just doing everything by Stephen King. Right. 
So, great horror yeah. writer, though, translates to great horror movies usually. Um, usually, we're uh, us us novel fans are upset with some of them. I wish they would have done Dean Koontz as well as they've done, um, uh, 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 the man, <laughs> Stephen King. Stephen King. <clears throat> yeah. Oh man, they did like all of his books too, though. They got Golden Years. Uh, sometimes they come back. Sometimes they come back again. Tommy uh, The the one that's like the eight hour long TV program where it's like. Uh, heaven coming down and all i forget the name of that one there's so many the, of them. the big thing stephen king did that was that stand. long it was the stand the stand that's it tommy knockers cat's eye like god almighty dude you go on and on thinner and on. yeah thinner so many what yeah. is your number five Chris? My, well going from one stephen to another uh as far as a writer goes i've got writer steven spielberg along Ooh. with michael Ross, it looks like, and Mark Love Victor, it. director Toby Hooper. Cocoon wasn't a scary movie. Stars <laughs> Joe Beth Williams, Heather O'Rourke, and Craig T. Nelson. And let me tell you, if you don't know where they are, they're here. That one's on my list. Is it? Yeah. Well, we'll double up on this one then. Uh, Poltergeist, the original yes. Poltergeist. Uh, man, that was... That was kind of freaky with some of the stuff they had in this movie, man. I I ain't even going to lie. A young family visited by ghosts in their home. At first, the ghosts appear friendly, moving objects around the house to the amusement of everyone. Then they turn nasty and start to terrorize the family before they, quote-unquote, kidnap the youngest daughter. Uh, Do you know what? Man. Clowns at this point. I hated clowns. Do you remember the, the clown sitting on the chair? Yes. Oh, that 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 ruined it for me, man. When I was younger, because you couldn't set nothing in my room at that point. If there was a jacket <laughs> on a chair, that jacket was coming down. Oh, I'm telling you too. Especially when you get scared and you start seeing them shadows playing mind games with you in the yeah. night, night in your room. Uh-huh. Now, was it this movie or was it the second movie where the little girl died? Like the actual little girl, Heather Heather O'Rourke. I think. Man, I you know what? Let's see. I don't because know. It's super, it's super big deal about her. One of the movies, I can't remember, but it's something about her being in front of the TV. Uh, they said that that actually wasn't her because she had died before that actual part of the scene was filmed. Well, she died in 1988. Yeah. So February 1st of 88. must have been number two because this came out in 82. Yeah, and I don't remember when oh, that could came be out, that. Exactly. That could be that 2012 uh, different dimension thing too. <laughs> I remember distinctly something about the movies where they had talked about her dying or whatever. Something. To uh, here's something here. When filming was completed in June, Heather and her family. This is Poltergeist three in '88. Okay. Um, Heather and her family went on a road trip from Chicago to New Orleans to Orlando and all the way back to Lakeside where they lived at the time. Heather was well until January 31st of 88, Super Bowl Sunday. Mm -hmm. She was unable to keep anything in her stomach and crawled into bed with her parents that night saying she didn't feel well. The next morning, February 1st, sitting at the breakfast table, she couldn't swallow her toast or Gatorade. Her mother noticed her fingers were blue and her hands were cold. Kathleen called the doctors and was getting ready to put her clothes on when Heather fainted on the kitchen floor. When the paramedics came in, she insisted she was really okay 
and was worried about missing school that day. In the ambulance, Heather suffered cardiac arrest and died on the operating table at 243 at 12 Man. years old. Man, at 12 years old at that, a heart attack. That's crazy. Then maybe then it was maybe then it was when she held her hands up to the window to the old man and Poltergeist three, because they were in like a hotel or something. And I just don't know. Uh, yeah, that's tough. Twelve years old heart attack. Like, how does that even happen, man? I believe it says here. Um, Let's see, Poltergeist 2, The Other Side, debuted in theaters in 86. It was her riveting performance in this film that cemented her a place in Hollywood history. In 87, uh, she began to have flu-like symptoms and her legs and feet swelled. She was taken to Kaiser Hospital, and they confirmed it was only the flu, but when symptoms continued, they diagnosed her as having Crohn's disease. Man. Chronic inflammation of the intestine. That may have had something to do with playing with her, you know, eventually passing away or something, which is sad. Like I said, you know, anytime a kid dies from something, it's always sad. Right. 12 years old. It's crazy to be that young and everything. Um, we're going to go ahead and take just a quick break here and run our ad through. We're late getting our ad through. We're gonna be, and uh, we're going to be a lot longer than an hour tonight. We're halfway through. So uh, hopefully everybody, oh, whoa, we better hurry up. Hopefully everybody sticks with us and enjoys the way we're going with this. Cause it is a top 10 and top 10s are always fun. So, Let's go and get our ad played through here about our favorite uh, buddy of the show here, Mr. Tim, and his uh, show, 80s Flicks Flashback, and we'll be right back with you. Hey, everybody. I hope you're enjoying the show today, but bear with me just one moment while I get a quick word in from a good friend of the show of ours, Tim, at 80s Flicks Flashbacks. Life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and listen to the 80s Flick Flashback podcast once in a while, you could miss it. Do you love movies of a certain age? Do you miss the days of VHS tapes, VCRs, and the video rental stores? Does the thought of another 80s movie being remade seem inconceivable? My name is Tim Williams. I'm the creator and host of the 80s Flick Flashback Podcast. On each episode, I'm joined by guest co-host to discuss one of the many movies released in the 1980s. We share our first-time watch memories, our favorite scenes, and even learn some behind-the-scenes stories about the cast and crew along the way. New episodes are released every other Friday on your favorite podcasting platform. So make like a tree, get out of here, and go listen to an excellent episode of the 80s Flick Flashback Podcast. The ad is over. Go home. Go. And you know, Travis, we forgot to mention, we're talking great one-liners from these horror movies, right? Mm-hmm. We we threw in there here, but we forgot about. Don't go to the light, Carolyn. <laughs> Heck yeah, I like it. Don't go to the light. What was uh your numero <clears throat> six? Numero six. Uh, that's gonna have to be the only, which blew my mind. I couldn't believe that. I thought there was. I thought these movies were more prolific. Uh. That's going to have to be the only one I had to choose from, from probably as an adult, my second favorite uh, 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 franchise. And that's going to be Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. When that, and that's the only thing has got a little crazy, crazy. And that, that had Dennis Hopper in it as the lieutenant lefty. Classic Texas Chainsaw Massacre movies in general. Classic movies. Absolutely. Caroline Williams and 
Bill Mosley, Bill Johnson played Leatherface. Um, but this is where they went crazy and they started showing the family, like they had the uncle and the doggone grandpa and all that stuff. And then um, I think Caroline, I think Caroline Williams was the, uh, she was the one that was like in trouble. And then like Dennis Hopper was going to save her or something. He was the law man, lieutenant. And then he ended up, he ended up with his own chainsaw, like running through the catacombs or whatever, daggum underneath the house. It was, uh, it was real good. Real good. Yeah, I like all, I like all the Chainsaw Charlie movies. I call him Chainsaw Charlie. Some people call him. <laughs> I remember watching the first one, first couple. I guess that's one of the big things. If you ever go to one of the the haunted houses every year. One of their big favorite mm-hmm. things they like to do is put a guy at the chainsaw at the end of it to chase you back to the parking lot, you know. Right. Unless you just chainsaw massacre is a good one though, man. And and these movies are uh, based off of Ed Gein, which is where the the first one came from, anyway. Who was a real, a very real, uh, prolific serial killer in our nation's history. Well, I want to go from chainsaws to machetes Mm, i like it and uh bring up my number six coincidentally enough is part six of friday the 13th jason lives i love that segue i um was was telling you earlier before we started um when it comes to the friday the 13th series the franchise i my fandom lies in six seven and eight that's right. the three movies that really got me. And then you had, uh, it was uh, Jason Goes to Hell, I believe, and Jason versus Freddy. Mm-hmm. I watched those as well, but I didn't think as highly of them as I did the other three, six, seven, and eight. Those were, in my opinion, the three that did the most for me. Yeah. Uh, Tom Matthews, and- Jennifer Cook, um, gosh, um, uh, Ron Patillo, the guy that played Horseshack, you know, and Welcome Back, Cotter. C.J. Graham was the Jason in this one. C.J. Graham. Yeah, C.J. Graham. Okay, okay. I like that. Yeah, I like this one. My my favorite one is definitely, uh, what we say it was, number eight, Jason Takes Manhattan. That was eight, yes. Yeah, that, that, that was my actually my follow-up to this one. If I was going to choose another one, it would have been that one. Right. Just because of the concept of it where it's like he finally gets away from Camp Crystal Lake. Mm-hmm. And and terrorizes somewhere else while he's chasing a particular person. And it goes to show you that when he when he has a thing to get somebody, he doesn't stop. He doesn't quit. He'll go wherever at this point. I mean, yeah, for cry- no doubt. So I mean, and then you had what Jason in space, Jason X, Jason Jason 10. X. Yeah, that's why I said that, that's a guilty pleasure because I did actually like that one. Yeah. <laughs> Well, this one right here, this particular one. So I guess Kane now, Hodder took over in number seven then, yeah? I I think Kane Hodder's only been in one or two of them. Um, Kane was in seven, and I believe he was in, I'm pretty positive he was in Jason Takes Manhattan. I was going to say, I, I think I think he was in eight as well. Yeah, the uh, new blood. This one, you know, no, seven was the new blood. Yeah, that was oh, seven. Was yeah. Oh, yeah. Jason Takes uh, Manhattan. That one had Laura Park Lincoln in it. She was like a telekinetic in the in the movie had terry kaiser as well so you know bernie was in there yeah yeah, that's where that yeah that's yeah the new blood yeah 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 now this movie here part six it uh it made about 19 million five hundred thousand worldwide 
wasn't a uh, uh, like a ton of money, but his only budget did three million, so made six times the money back. I say it's fairly good success, you know, for the mm-hmm. film. And this was about the time when, you know, Friday the Thirteenth. I think one of the biggest Friday the Thirteenth for most people mm-hmm. is uh, the final chapter, Part Four. Yeah, I don't think they originally intended on going any further with it at that point. Right. Um, but they ended up, I, and I, I forget why they came out with the part of five, five to me was pure garbage. It was like, it was like watching Halloween three, yeah. you know, season of the witch it had nothing to do with Michael Myers. Uh, and I believe in this one in Halloween five, I'm not looking at it directly to read off of it, but if memory serves me correctly, uh, it wasn't really Jason that was doing the killing or something, or they were trying to say that maybe Tommy had the, the spirit of Jason in him or something along those lines. I forget exactly how it goes. It just wasn't a traditional, in my opinion, like traditional um, Friday the 13th. I was not a big fan of it at all. And then like at the end of the movie, like at the end of the movie, I think there's a part where Tommy reaches over and pulls the hockey mask out of a drawer. And, you know, I thought that's it. In six though, the character of Tommy is the one is trying to kill to make sure he kills Jason for good. So, you know, dumbest thing ever to do go dig up the grave where jason is start stabbing him with an iron rod and next thing you know lightning strikes him and what happens it's like clear yeah. <laughs> here he is he's back ready to go Heck not yeah. very smart not number very smart. uh number seven for you sir number seven i'm gonna i'm gonna have to go with aliens oh Although, i got aliens I, on my list too Oh, did you? I was going to say, some people might argue with with us then in that case, but Aliens is definitely a horror movie for yes. sure. Yep. It's, a, it's a sci-fi, but it's also a horror. i tell you what I'll do. I'll take Aliens off my list because I, I, was, I was debating on that one and another one. So mm-hmm. I'll take it off my list and we'll say it was yours, and I'll add my other one back in. There you go. There you go. <clears throat> so James Cameron, one, one, another. See, got nothing but great directors back then, man. Holy cow! Sigourney Weaver, uh, Michael Biehn. <laughs> oh, 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 Michael. Uh, uh, no, I'm I'm laughing at Sigourney Weaver. It's it, it's this this inside joke with a buddy of mine. Every time we hear the name Sigourney Weaver, we think of Jeff Foxworthy. I think I've told you this before. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Why don't you let uh, Sigourney Weaver make you a meatloaf? Right, exactly. <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about. Every time I hear her name, that's all I think of. <laughs> but it's had a lot of people in it too, though. Paul Reiser, Bill Paxson, Lance Henrik. Another uh, show for Lance Henriksen. It's hard to say his name. But Lance Henriksen has been in ton- Like, if you want a spooky old guy, get that guy. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, for real. That dude was spooky. But Alien, like, holy cow, if you're on an Alien, like, get real. Maybe you hadn't seen the first one. Go back and watch it. But, you know what I mean? Alien versus Predator. It's comic books, video games, movie after movie, daggum. Just, I mean, and I'm sure it made people have nightmares back then. You know what I mean? Like, holy cow. Yeah. But, um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, what what can you say about Alien? Oh, my God. Just, if I you mean, it, go watch it right now. What are the name of the uh, the alien creatures again? Xenomorphs. Xenomorphs. That's it. Yeah, and, and like you mentioned earlier, just a second ago, I mean, to go watch Predator versus Aliens, uh, to see that the Xenomorphs were something that the Predators were hunting, you know, for for centuries as well for like for sport. And what's so uh, cool too is they alluded to that in, in quite a few 
previous movies as well, Aliens and Predators. Mm-hmm. Uh, matter of fact, as early as Predator 2 with Danny Glover, uh, yep. where they showed the inside of his ship, there was a uh, xenomorph skull inside there. Right. Right. Well, if we're going to, since I gave you Aliens, I'm going to go ahead and jump to my other one that I was debating on. Number seven, Christopher. We're going to go to uh, 1988 will be the year. Okay. And uh, it's about this serial killer named Charles Lee Ray. Oh, my word. I mean, he needs to get a quick escape from cop Mike Norris. So he takes his soul and he buries it into a playful, seemingly good guy doll called Chucky. That's right. That's right. Child's play. Which was strikingly... Bear to, bear to striking resemblance to real dolls that we had caused <laughs> my uh, buddy, my buddy, my buddy. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I got my butt tore up because I chopped my buddy's hair and tried painting it red. <laughs> I had a little blonde blue eyed my buddy. Cause I was a little blonde blue eyed boy. And I like tried to write, I tried to scribble out my buddy on the front and write good guys on it and everything. <laughs> <laughs> Ruined my, my buddy doll. Oh, that's hilarious. They 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 made a franchise out of Chucky. You know, you had Child's Play 2, Child's Play 3, Bride of Chucky, Curse of Chucky. Yeah. But, I mean, Didn't for me... They tried to reboot here not long ago, too, with do a redo of the original. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, honestly, I, I watched it up to Child's Play 3, where the character Andy had gotten older. He was a teenage kid at that point, and he mm-hmm. was in some kind of a military school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, yeah. I watched it clear up to that that version and i stopped i did not watch the bride of chucky I watched although the bride of chucky. although jennifer tilly i uh, really like her i yeah. and the bride I, of chucky is terrible it's that's another one that's like a guilty pleasure like if you're gonna watch it just realize that it, it is it is meant to be cheesy and goofy and and just uh laugh at it because there are moments to laugh at. <laughs> so it, 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 is it because up. of the one? Is it because of the one-liners or something? Because you know the horror movies back then were full of little cheesy one-liners. <clears throat> Freddy Krueger was the um, best for it. Yes, yeah, but what what made it really really bad was uh, Jennifer Tilly. But you, of course, you you know Jennifer Tilly became a doll as well. Uh, yeah, but they they actually consecrated their marriage, which was <laughs> before or after she was a doll. After. Okay. <laughs> All righty. Well, this movie on the ridiculous side. Just a little. So this movie uh, grossed forty-four million two hundred thousand. We'll say budgeted nine million. Mm-hmm. Not too bad. Not too shabby. Not too shabby. And uh, I mean, basically, I uh, just uh, number eight. Yeah, I mean. That, uh, of all the horror people we had in the eighties for slashers, where would you rank Chucky really? For slasher movies. Well, you mean slashers are like, you know, you got Freddie, you've got Mike, Michael Myers, you got Jason, you've got, um, oh gosh. I mean, are we thinking uh, about well, all of them like, well, when I say slashers, I'm sorry. I mean, massacre and all that stuff, you know? Well, when I say slashers, I shouldn't say, I shouldn't say slashers as much as I'm saying recognizable villains like a uh, uh, Freddy Krueger or Jason. Voorhees oh, he's right Michael Myers. I mean, he's, he's one of the ones that's mentioned in the same breath. Usually, I mean, he's it's it's toward the bottom for me, but definitely, definitely. But I mean, he's 
there again, where we talk about pumpkin head and people forget about pinhead and then, um, the, the, the thin man from phantasm. And you know what I mean? Like he's, he's up high. Yeah, he was creepy. Oh yeah. Gosh, man. So, so you were talking about, we were mentioning honor. I just said, we'll mention honorable mentions here soon. But the guy from Phantasm, man, he creeped me out. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, Damn. I guess since that's, that was your number seven and it was going to be my number eight, I'm going to have to repick on the fly. Oh, uh, which we said we could pick the same ones, but I don't want to do well, that. Well, we did, but I mean, I, I, I was trying to keep it interesting at least. I didn't know you had Child's Play on yours. <laughs> well, I got so many. I got so many that I can, uh, I can, I can bob and weave, man. Do, do, do. And the problem is just going one that I want to throw in there now out of what's left on my list. And I'm going to have to go with probably, uh, 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 I'm going to say George A. Romero's Day of the Dead. It's going to be Day of the Dead. Day. Popular yeah. bunch of movies, you know, the zombie, the whole zombie routine, Day of the Dead, Night of the Living Dead, Return day. of the Living so, Dead. Yeah. To this day, so Dawn of the Dead, uh, Day of the Dead, not Return of the Living Dead, not of the Living Dead, like it's it's nonstop. And then you um, had Return of the Living Dead two, Return of the Living Dead three. Right. What what I loved, I'm if I'm not mistaken now, I, I might be mistaken, but I think this is the one where they had the smart zombie, like chained up he was trying to shave and all that you know what i mean I, do you remember this or did you man see i i've seen so many of them zombie movies like if they all they've all run into what like together to me in my mind it's like all the same thing now right right i feel you i understand that i i think it was yeah i'm pretty positive that this is that movie that i'm thinking of though but uh they were like in a government facility underground and whatnot and had this uh had a like a smart zombie or something so we just real quick real quick uh synopsis then so you got zombies rule the world except for a small group of scientists and military personnel who reside in an underground bunker in florida and uh, they're using the undead and gruesome experiments and uh finally the military find that their men have been used in scientists experiments and banish the scientists to the caves unfortunately the zombies from a grub above have made their way to their bunker so of course what always happens when you when you hole up? What always happens, man? The zombies get in. That's right. If we, watched, if, uh, we need if we have watched uh, uh, Walking Dead, we will learn that. Like it, it always happens. You can't and, get away from the zombies. And that's part of the reason why The Walking Dead was so popular. All those, you know, just like bringing back the whole zombie phenomenon from the eighties. Everybody loves so much. I think what this, we love about it too is the so ultimate much. apocalypse scenario. Right, right. And I think what we love about it so much too is the, uh, I don't know. I used, to, I used to know what to call it, but the trope of it all, you know what I mean? It's, yeah, it's tropes. Like a, look, a look inside of what humanity can become either way. So, you know what I mean? Uh, coming together and surviving or even turning into something kind of evil monster and i don't mean as a zombie i mean like negan you know what i mean <laughs> like right. so i think it's just it, it's such a reflection and mirror to us that and you know it's kind of romantic uh 
complete and total anarchy burn the system down we're just living on our own and making our own rules now and fighting zombies so i mean there's a lot of things about zombies that as far as i think in horror genre are attractive you know what i mean to make things popular hey if we're gonna have zombies i want it to be the walking dead zombies at least you know the the slow dumb ones yeah do not want world z zombies no we don't want them at all they're that's, that's too much like work yeah world war z we don't need them zombies now they're too quick all right, so that was Train to uh, Busan zombies. Have you seen Train to Busan? No, I've not. Train to Busan is phenomenal. Anyone listening, if you haven't seen Train to Busan, and you do like uh, the zombie movies, Train to Busan is phenomenal. I'll look it up. Fast zombies too, scary ass zombies. See, we don't want the fast <laughs> zombies though. We want the no, slow dumb zombies. No, the scary ass zombies. Yeah, the slow zombies zombies is the fun ones. We can make. I it want the world. hey. I want the slow zombies looking for brains. That way, I know I'm safe. <laughs> right brains <laughs> they walk by me i'll just go the <laughs> yeah and they'll leave me alone right oh yeah that's why i went with because uh that's why i went with zombies for num- my number eight your brains <laughs> eight your brains <laughs> <laughs> okay my number eight your i am going eight. to go with i think i'm gonna go with the thing from 1982 nice. i like it i think from 1982 uh there's there's certain movies that you just have to include mm-hmm. when you are talking about scary movies mm-hmm. and the thing has got to be one of them uh this is my second john yeah. carpenter movie i told you i was gonna have another john carpenter movie coming up uh-huh. so stars kurt russell wilford brimley keith david um and I don't really know what you want to call this thing. You know, the thing, uh, uh, some type of alien type deal. It what yes. takes over bodies. Yes. Kind of like it's invasion of body snatchers kind of thing in a way where. And this is also another ex- example of creature effects that are out of this world and are still creepy as all get out today. When that dude's head turns into like the spider thing and it's like, oh, for like for years, y'all that don't know, one of the dudes, like head breaks off or they cut it off or something. Oh my God. And then like it sprouts legs and starts. Oh, you got the, oh, oh. About the dog. Oh God. The dog too. Oh yeah. This movie like, and you're not, what's crazy about it too is like, with it being Kurt Russell and everything? Like you're not expecting it to be that kind of movie or yeah. at least not to that level. I mean, it's like this movie gets wild for real thing. is hey. That's an awesome, awesome pick. And I was mentioning the fog earlier. Uh, Adrian Barbeau was in it. Adrian Barbeau was uncredited in this movie as a computer voice, so doing a voiceover for the movie. Right. I love when Walter Brimley, Wilford Brimley, got tired of everybody's mess, and uh, he was the hero, and he burned the whole place down. He looked at the camera and he said, "Bitches don't know shit about my diabetes." <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure he did not say that back then <laughs> none of that happened but none he's well happened. known he is well known for the diabetes for sure yeah yeah none of what i just said happened in that movie <laughs> <laughs> you sir are a terrible person yeah i had to sneak that in there <laughs> poor wilford brimley oh, uh, john man. john carper said this is his favorite his personal favorite film of all time that he did Oh heck yeah! Thing, everything so. Um, was he budgeted, in makeup? But see now, but with this Norwegian? though, huh? Was he in makeup? 
Was he in makeup? Yeah, when he did the Norwegian. I don't know. Because he was he was the Norwegian in the movie. I I have no earthly idea. I don't yeah, know if he was, was or not. John Carpenter. Um, I mean, I don't know as far as what he, I don't I don't know what John Carpenter looks like. I've never seen a picture of him before. I know of him, but I've never really looked him up before to see a picture uh-huh. of him. Um, this movie didn't make a lot of great money at the movies. It was budgeted fifteen million and it made nineteen million six hundred thirty-three thousand. So, okay, but um, it's loved by a lot of people though. John John Carpenter had a series of movies that were kind of busts, right? But are big fan favorites. So, absolutely. That's not, I'm not sure. Um, my one of my favorite vampire movies ever i'm talking about like my top three is uh john carpenter's vampires and i'm I'm not sure how great that one actually did it had uh ed wood i believe is his name in it no james wood james wood thank you yeah james woods in it yep had one of the baldwins yes daniel baldwin so great it was it was definitely good phenomenal what is your number nine Oh, my number nine, I'm going to have to go with, since we're doing that thing of you can't talk about scary movies without including one, um, I'm going to flip a coin here and go eeny, meeny, miny, mo and go with uh, Pet Cemetery. Pet Cemetery. Nothing stays dead. Nothing. Nothing stays dead. So Pet Cemetery was, uh, that was a great one. Growing up with that one, man, um, somebody, I, I, a dude I consider, you know, so close to me that family wouldn't make him any different. Like, he loved this movie so much that he wanted to name his son Gage. He, he never had one, but he said if he ever had a son, he was going to name him Gage. Creepy little, creepy little Gage. Creepy little Gage. <laughs> so this yeah, one, this one hmm. was, uh, of course, uh, about the cemetery, the mystical burial ground imbued with reanimating powers, but in they come back different. It had Herman Munster in it too. They come back different. Oh yeah. Yeah, Fred Wynn. Judd. He was Judd. They played a grandfather, didn't he? Mm-hmm. He was Judd Crandall. I couldn't remember his name. Remember when he played the grandfather, I remember though. Yeah, and uh, had some known people in it, I guess. Uh, Brad Greenquist and Michael Lombard. I know there's names, I can't think of the top of my head what they did, but you know, uh, Stephen King actually did a little spot in this movie too. He played the minister, so I think he has cameoed in several mo- uh, movies based on his books. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. He he, he loves it. So yeah. this one's good. I mean, I don't know. How, I I don't know how scary this one is. I mean, honestly, it's kind of like it's about as scary as Chucky to me. Because like, so you got the animals coming back here and there, and then Gage comes back and he attacks his mama with some scissors or something. But I mean, I don't really remember this one being. I know it's huge and everything in in the community of horror fanatics, but I just I don't really remember it being that scary. Yeah. Do you? Not really. It did well. Uh, the budget was eleven point five million. It made uh fifty seven point four and change, uh, gross worldwide. So, but Ooh. it is definitely a classic. It is definitely worth watching. It's a cool show, kind of like Zombie Powder type thing. Um, if you can't, uh, so Zombie Powder is an older movie about voodoo type stuff. This is kind of the same thing, 
but it don't uh it's more entertaining i guess you'd say than trying to watch zombie powder and there's some creepy moments but it's just i don't know it's in my top 10 because of what it is it was this or children of the corn you know what i mean staples you probably couldn't go wrong either way. Uh, Children of the Corn is one of those honorable mentions for me I had written down. I didn't include it as one of my favorites because mm-hmm. it wasn't one of my personal favorites. But, I mean, it's creepy, you know, Malachi. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, the whole idea of, of what they were doing, sacrificing adults to make sure they had a good corn harvest. I mean, come on. Right? He who rocks behind the rose. <laughs> you know, they did a... Uh, they did a remake of that too with a little girl in it. Yeah. I just seen yeah. commercials for it. I haven't watched it. Sure enough. Heck yeah. Well, what was your number? Uh, where are we at? Nine. My, my number nine, I'm going to go with another one of the um, standard classics from the 80s, and I'm going with Halloween 2. Uh, it had probably the best background music. Uh, when you think of, oh, well, I don't know. It's, I don't know, man. I, I have a hard time deciding whether it's Halloween or Elm Street for the background music, like for mm-hmm. the Freddy, you know, the, the Freddy music. When you hear him in the mm-hmm. background, it's always that same little. Mm-hmm. But so for when me, it comes, it's, it's going to be a toss up between between the. But oh, hold on! I got a piano behind me. It's going to be a toss up between. I, I'm in the wrong key. <laughs> <laughs> and and you still didn't hit it. I don't know what you're doing. You still didn't hit it right. <laughs> you were close, bro. You were a little close, but you yeah. didn't quite hit it. Hey, but, yeah. It was better than the first time hey, I tried. But if I, I used to have the tubular bells from from uh the Exorcist. Tubular bells from the Exorcist is my favorite scary movie score. Yeah. Now I, I used to have the um Halloween as a ringtone. Yeah. Especially during Halloween time of the year, I would have it on there. I'd, be, I'd practically be begging for people to call just so I could play it around people. You know, it's like, here, call, call my phone, call my phone. It's going in. <laughs> Heck yeah. Um, but uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, Donald Pleasant, um, friend of the show, Lance Guest, was yes. in the movie, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Played Jimmy. So, I mean, uh, but this picks up where the first one left off. They thought they had killed Michael Myers in the first one. Uh, Loomis, you know, he, he shoots him several times. He falls off the balcony. He's laying on the ground, flat on his back. Then you look back and the music kicks in and his body is gone. Mm-hmm. He's taken off. So the beginning of the second one picks up where that leaves off and they're still on the hunt for him. I mean, you could, you could practically splice the two movies together and make one long movie if you wanted to. Yeah, well, you could probably do that with half of them because I loved old Dr. Loomis. Yeah. Oh, that was a definitely, a definitely fun, scary movie. The, the, I don't, you know, for a while there, it was... Be- I couldn't make up my mind whether I was more of a Michael Myers kind of guy or a Jason Voorhees kind of guy. Right. It's, it's kind of hard to say for sure. But, yeah. you know. I'm a Hellraiser kind of guy. I'm a pinhead kind of guy. You look like a pinhead. Yeah. Pinhead. Yeah. Uh, budgeted $2.5 million, gross $25,533,000. So definitely made its share of money. Right. That's a pretty oh. good bit. Let's jump up to your last one there, sir. Of your favorite 10 movies, what's your 10th and final one for the 80s? My last one, I'm going to go off the rails with this one. This was, I, as, as I remember it, this movie is uh, the movie that kind of started me on scary movies. Like, mm-hmm. like I, I like scary movies now. And it is a movie 
I don't know how many people know it. I don't know how popular it was, but it's called Cat's Eye. And it's yeah. kind of, uh, you remember? Yeah. It's a Stephen that's, King novel. Turned into I started to say, that's, that was from the book of short stories. Yes. Wasn't it? And yes. Yes. And it, it, uh, it had uh, Drew Barrymore in it. I think this is post uh, Firestarter. Um, James Wood, uh, a couple other names. Uh, James Rebhorn. I've seen him in some other stuff. He was, he was in, seems like in sitcoms. He played somebody's dad. But anyway, this movie was like, it was scary but cool at the same time. So there was like a little troll that lived in her wall, as, as I remember it. And he'd come out, and like when she was breathing, he'd like stand in her face and like, yeah. and like steal her breath and stuff. And uh, the other crazy thing about this is it happened in North Carolina, which was, I'm in South Carolina. So it's like, oh my God. <laughs> you know what's an old wives? You know what's no wives' tale, right? About cats and babies? Yes. About cats stealing the breaths from babies? Yep. Yep, and uh, laying on them and smothering them and things like that. That was actually, uh, they talked about that in this movie, actually, too. I yeah, think. yeah, I believe yeah. so. They Because the cat was a stray, and uh, the cat was trying to protect Drew Barrymore from the from the little the little troll. And, um, yeah, it just kind of, it just kind of goes up through that. I, I don't remember. It's been a long time. I might have to go back and watch this movie. I don't remember exactly how it ended or anything. I, like, I don't even remember. I just remember the little troll. And the cat and Drew Barrymore and, and them like going after the troll or something. And you know, uh, speaking of uh, Drew Barrymore and horror movies, is mm-hmm. um, Firestarter a horror movie to you? I I place it in the genre, but I don't think I don't feel like it's a horror movie. I, I don't feel like, like it's, it's scary by any means. No, yeah, like, exactly. Yeah, yeah but I've had I've had someone tell me they thought it was uh, that it's, it's ranked as a horror movie as well. I wasn't too sure about that. It's definitely um, in there. I mean, it, it's considered a horror movie. I'm going to go and get my tenth one out of the way, and then we'll throw a couple of honorable picks in there for people to go in and check out. Absolutely. Uh, we just we just won't you know break them down or anything. But uh, my tenth and final one, you may or may not have seen this one yourself. It's from mm-hmm. 1986, mm-hmm. and it's called Trick or Treat. Trick or Treat. This has got Maybe. Mark Price, Tony Fields. Uh, Gene Simmons is in it for a little bit, actually. Funny enough. Nice. Um, but uh, Tony Fields plays the character Sammy Kerr, who is a rock and roll legend in the movie, and Mark Price plays Eddie Weinbauer, who is like the biggest fan for Sammy Kerr of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, Sammy Kerr is one. Of, it's this is along the lines of when they used to talk about how rock music was devil worship music and all these things, and. He played it backwards. Oh, it would say he, like, something. He comes back too. In this one, where like he comes back or something. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Gene Simmons plays a part of a of, of a DJ for a radio station called New Ozzy Osbourne's in it, playing the role of a reverend who is talking bad about Sammy Kerr and stuff. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Sammy Kerr ends up coming back to life. Uh, it, this happens uh, at like the high school prom or something when he officially comes back and he's on stage and starts playing, he starts having his own private concert at the, at the prom. It looks like it's kind of crazy how it goes. Uh, but uh, he's, he's trying to, the, the spirit of Sammy Kirsch is kind of living through Eddie Weinbauer, showing him how to take up for himself and helping him take up for himself by mm-hmm. getting the people who are bullying him and giving him trouble Thank and everything. You. So, uh, once again, as far as great music goes, uh, 
love the soundtrack from this movie. Um, I believe the group is called Fastway that does the soundtrack. So wow. if you if you're like me and you like the '80s hair band kind of music, you know the heavy metal like hair bands like your Poisons, your Twisted Sisters, your Rat, your Skid Row, and stuff like that. This is that kind of music that they play through it. It's just really great. So check that out if you get a chance. And that's my 10th and final one right there, man. The, that one, just to go ahead and put it out there, uh, as far as what we've talked about so far, what they've made and everything, mm-hmm. uh, this was um, not a very big money-making movie. I don't know what the budget was. It doesn't list it, but it only grossed worldwide $6.8 million. So That's more than I thought it would have. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it's but it's really a fun movie, though. As right. far as no, uh, horror I, I movies go, I, I think it's been years on top of years since I've seen it, but I recognize it. Yeah. What kind of honorable mentions you got to toss out there? Oh man, we can throw a bunch out there. Uh, I would say like Creep Show, which was kind of like a Creep Show was kind of like a montage type thing where they did yep. like some different time, different kinds of things, you know. Yep. Uh, House. I loved House. House was kind of like that borderline comedy. Yeah, the first one. It was kind of like that borderline mm-hmm. comedy horror type thing. Yeah. Um, I already said Children of the Court. Uh, Night of the Demons. Night of the Demons was crazy. Yep. Uh, Phantasm 2. Because it was years between. Because of that creepy dude. Because of that creepy dude. Uh, one that almost actually made my list was Warlock. Uh was that 89 or was that 90? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You know what? I had that written down and that was supposed to be beside Nightbreed. Uh, I just let two names go. Here we go. Well, Hit it. But the, Hit it. Hit it. That one's 90 though. And it's not, is it 89 or 90 when Warlock came out? It's 1991. So you got to put me on the list. Put okay. me on your list. Uh, uh-oh. Just you just it. made the list. Yeah. Because I just dropped two names. Can't believe you did that, man. I said I was supposed to write that down beside another movie. Maybe they won't get Can't it. believe that you did that. You know, you just can't get good oh, help anymore. We might, we all, we, you know what? We were almost done with an hour and a half episode. I and no errors. Okay, I, yeah, I take I it back. I, I take it back. No, I erred earlier, but it's going to get edited out. So it's all good. Um, <laughs> hey, hey, so speaking of which, some more honorable mentions here to get me out of trouble. Uh, Gremlins, 1984. Yes. Um, the um Halloween four was a good one of the Halloween movies. Yeah, uh, yeah. we How made it blob? the blob. I was I I so much almost considered putting that on there. Kevin Dillon right. and Shawnee Smith, that was yeah. a good remake of the movie The Blob. No doubt. We've gone this far and not mentioned the horror movie with the biggest twist at the end of it of all horror movies. Which one? The fly Sleep, sleepaway <laughs> camp. Oh, Sleepaway Camp, which I really thought that the last, uh, what was it, uh, American Horror Story 1986 was kind of ba- based on that. And it could have been. So uh, do you remember what the twist was at the end of Sleepaway Camp? I don't. It's been years. So uh, basically you've got this girl named Angela who moves in with um, her Aunt Martha and protective cousin Ricky. One summer, Martha sends the kids to Camp Arawak. Yep. Soon after their arrival, bizarre, increasingly violent accidents claim the lives of various campers. Uh, who is the twisted individual behind the murders, it says? Well, the disclosure of the murderer's identity is one of the most shocking climaxes in the history of American cinema. Um, <laughs> it ends up being, I believe, the girl, Angela, who's actually a guy. Oh, my God. Laces out. <laughs> so, when I said Warlock, 
what I had written down beside it. I wrote it down in the wrong place. It was supposed to go beside my other movie that was from the 90s. Um, but one that I have to mention because it came so close. Uh, Near Dark. Bill Paxson is a vampire movie. I don't know if you've seen it or not, but it had Bill Paxson in it. What's it called? Near Dark. No. Had It had really good... Um, it had really good special effects for the time too, and uh, I think it, that's probably the first thing that I ever remember seeing Bill Paxton is in. But uh, another honorable mention, The Hitcher. Did you see The Hitcher with Rutger Hauer? Oh, long time ago on HBO. There's lots of good ones, man. Henry, yeah. um, that was the one with uh, Mary Poppins, y'all. I think that was probably his like breakout role, maybe. Not yeah. sure about that, but uh, Michael Roker in it um was evil dead 70 or evil dead the first evil dead came out i want to say evil dead was 80 or 81 i think so i know evil dead 2 was 87 and that's kind of one that you get to mention is if you're talking about films that people really fall back on for horror movies in the 80s evil dead's got to be one of them you talk about yeah yeah and we'll save the rest of them for the bonus content yeah so we'll, we'll, we'll get some more out there, or we'll, or we'll, or or we'll touch up on some more of what we brought up. Content, man. So, all right. Well, we got part two of this coming up next week. Make sure you catch the episode next week, because part two is our top ten favorite horror movies of the nineties. We got to continue this trend on and get the other ones. There's a lot of great ones in the nineties as well. We'll try to compress it a little. <laughs> we'll try to get we'll, we'll try to get a little quicker with it next time. We don't go an hour and 15, 20 minutes or anything like that. But right, uh, to go, just to go ahead and go ahead and toss it out there once again. You'll find us on social media at Instagram and Facebook at Retro Life the Number Four Y O U. Email us at Retro Life for You at Gmail dot com and check out the webpage www.retrolife the Number Four the Letter U dot com and you can listen to the you know podcast straight from there if you want to. We are on every platform. And if you don't mind, give us a rating and a review on iTunes and a five-star rating on Spotify. Travis, do you have anything for us at the end of this great top 10 horror special? Uh, Well, you know what? I had a really good joke in my head, but I don't think that it's like, I don't think I can Appropriate. do Appropriate. Yeah, it's really bad. I'm going to have to probably tell you that like after the show, because Jokes about murderers, first of all, aren't funny unless they're properly executed. Oh, my God. (laughs) You still went there.